Welcome to Sermons from St. David's, a ministry of St. David's Episcopal Church in Southfield, Michigan. It's a chance for us to share a good word of challenge, inspiration, and hope as we walk the journey of faith together. You're welcome to join us on Sundays at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. for live in-person worship. You can also join our 10 a.m. Eucharist via Zoom. Just go to our website for the meeting ID and password at stdavidssf.org. Let the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. You will never wash my feet. Yes, it's that time of year again to hear about our master's march towards the cross and final stages of teaching his disciples that they are to love one another. Sometimes something struck me funny about this is that a reading in the gospel is that important that helped to establish Holy Week and define the church and Christianity is only found in John's gospel. I thought to myself, really? And obviously I can't tell you all why. And I know a couple of y'all might be sitting there thinking, but believe me, I'm not that old, so. <laughs> this gospel is one of Jesus's last opportunity to teach those who he will entrust to form Christianity and the church for the world. Yes, I understand that the Jewish people had already had the Torah. They had the Pharisees, they had scribes, they had a synagogue and they had a temple. But as we read all the gospels, we come to realize that Jesus is clarifying Torah, even to the point of expanding its meanings and rules that are found within the Torah. He expects us to live by Torah as he did. That is to show true love, compassion, humility, and equality for all people, no exceptions. Jesus's world was totally inclusive to all people, both Jews and Gentiles. You all know that just as well as I do, that, that can be a big issue in anyone's life <laughs> to live into that commitment. I've always said Jesus's commandment to love your neighbor as yourself is difficult at best and will be something that I personally will probably have to work on till the day that I meet my master. But also, as I said, I'm still a work in progress and I'm headed in the right direction. As we start the gospel today, Passover is starting and Jesus knows his hour has come to depart this world as a human to join the father. Now remember up until this time, Jesus has always said, my time has not yet come. But now it's a totally different situation. I always ask myself during this time of year, how do you think Jesus felt knowing his faith? Because even though he was divine, at this point he was still totally human also. And he had human feelings to include questioning, little anger like maybe in the temple, fear and concerns, 
He was one of us. So how would you feel? Then it said he loved us to the end. Even on the cross, he showed that he loved us. In Luke 23, verse 43, he uses my favorite words. Truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. I love that because it gives somebody like me a hope that one day, too, I will see my master. And that is a glorious feeling. Then it's time again to pick on our poor buddy, Judas. Two weeks ago, it was about oil. Today, it's about water. Now, the Bible used the word betrayal. And in the purest form, I guess he did. But I'm going to stick up a little bit for him. I choose to see this betrayal as fulfillment of his destiny. That God had predetermined that outcome of his life. Even Jesus was hurt by this, but still loved Judas. He knew that Judas had to fulfill this act. Also in the gospel, I understand the phrasing to the end. That was just his human love for us. I choose to say his love is indefinite, not ending by death. But you all know that. I'm not telling you anything new. Now we can talk about that part, some uh, folks feel is uncomfortable, and they stand back as Peter did and say to ourselves, oh, no, 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 you're not going to wash my feet. My shoes are fine just where they are. You know, remember that what was going on as part of the Jewish purification of washing hands and feet, and a good host would get their slaves or offer a basin to the people to wash their feet before anything would go on. When Jesus did this, he was showing an unwavering love and compassion, not an act of Jewish purification. This was an act of love for building of the church and community. Jesus is desperate because he knows the time was near and the Father had given him, put all things into his hands. He knew he was in control of his destiny, not the Romans or the Pharisees, a faith he understood and accepted. Jesus knows, as we should, that the cross is not a sign of defeat, but of victory. Because it is on the cross and afterwards, the world will come to know that he has accomplished the work for which he was sent to us. It's on the cross that his divinity will be revealed to the world. Then poor Peter speaks up as the disciples, not fully understanding what is really happening. Yes, they always did. He did as many of us would do today by saying, you will never wash my feet. That was his teacher the Messiah, and that act would be completely beneath him to do such. It should be the disciples washing his feet. And I understand that feeling, but Peter and the disciples will understand that one day of what and why Jesus did what he did. Unfortunately, it doesn't happen until after the resurrection. 
Then Jesus sort of lights Peter up by saying, unless I wash your feet, you have no share with me. In other words, you have no part or portion of a larger amount in heaven. I'm going to break from my script. I got a little note saying break from script because I want to tell a story about what happened last night to Deacon Donna and myself down at Detroit Men's Rescue. Before Donna arrived, a uh, gentleman walked up to me and started talking to me. It was really hard to understand, probably because he was lacking beauty, as in most. And he pulls his wallet out, and he reaches through his wallet, and he pulls out a $20 bill and hands it to me. And I'm going, what's this for? He said, God gave it to me. I'm giving it to you for the church. God will give me all. Well, I thought about this high because that's true faith. And I said, you know what? If there's someone in this earth that's ever going to have a portion, that man will have a portion. Don and I asked him three, four times, same answer every time. Finally, we just said, I'm not, we're not going to insult this guy. We'll give it to the food pantry and we'll push it forward. He's given it to us. We'll give it to, back to the poor again. So that's my story. It just makes me think about what would I do with I in this position? 20 bucks, living in a shelter with probably a bag of clothes, and he gives me $20. So I said, if anybody deserves, deserves a share in heaven, that person does. But now we're back to our regular scheduled program. <laughs> Get on with this. And as fortunately, we've had 2,000 years to understand where the disciples only had a few years with the master. And nothing in history has ever happened like this. Susan Highland wrote, sharing in Jesus involves being served by him, even in so lowly and intimate a form as foot washing. Again, we know that this is far deeper than just washing feet. This is not only a gift from Jesus, but an example of humble service that he is giving to them to build the church and community after he is gone. This is the truest form of unconditional love that we are to show to all of God's people. Then it's time for Judas to be spoken of again as the betrayer and clean. So now we clean in two different ways, both in a physical and a spiritual meaning in this reading. In verse 11, that was, then in 13, Jesus says, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. Well, I sort of let the cat out of the bag there, didn't it? What he is telling them is that all people are equal, so do not judge or put titles on them. Then Jesus tries to clarify for all this in verse 16, when he uses again my favorite words, very truly I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. Let me ask you, do you think Jesus might have been speaking about himself? And then I start thinking I'll have to research it because there's an old saying, don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> I don't know. If you know these things, you are blessed. If you do them, this is a form of true discipleship. 
Then it jumps to verse 13, 31 through 35, because in verses in between there, they're talking about Judas. And in this case, this is not really about Judas. It's about Jesus. It's his last attempt to teach disciples. So the first thing is that Judas leaves, and we should all have a good idea where he's heading to. Can we say Pharisees? Most of this section speaks of glorification of Jesus. A commentary I read describes Jesus' glorification as, glory is characterized of God and refers to God's all-inspiring <clears throat> majesty. God shared his glory with Jesus. In this gospel, Jesus' glorification is associated with his death, resurrection, and ascension. Just as God's glory was revealed at Sinai and Exodus 24, verses 16 through 17, so it will be revealed at the cross and the open time. Jesus totally opens up to his faith to fulfill scripture in verse 33, when he says, I am only here a little longer. And again, where I'm going, you cannot come. Then in verse 34, with this commandment to love one another, just as I have loved you. Notice the past tense, loved. Then in 35, Jesus says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciple if you have love for one another. A final thought for all of us. Will people know you and all of us as one of Jesus' disciples? Amen. Thanks so much for listening. And may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good, that you may do his will, working in you that which is pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.